Hey, this is Dino, and I'm the pastor of Revolution Church. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope this message is encouraging to you and will help you to discover God's unchanging love. For more information, visit our website at therevolutionchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, Revolution Church? Good morning. Welcome. We're just so glad that you are worshiping with us, especially if you're joining us for the first time. We want you to know it is a great honor and a privilege to have you here. You know, we just finished our series, Sweet Spot, and I just want to say thank you to all the guys that, that, that helped me teach that series. It was an amazing series, and I hope that you get a chance to go back and just re-listen to some of those messages. Look, and here's one of the reasons why. I know every one of those guys personally. I know their personal lives. I spend time with their families. These are real believers. These are real believers that love you, that really love God. And as they brought their messages, as they brought the, the passion that they have in their heart, it was absolutely amazing. I was so blessed by every one of their messages. And I, and I hope you just go back and you just re-listen to those messages because I just believe they're going to set us up for what's coming in 2021. God spoke to me earlier in the or earlier or, or late in December and said 2021 is going to be a year of shifting, a year of of movement. Things are going to move in 2021, and I just believe that we are going to find ourselves doing things in 2021 that we never thought we would be doing. We're going to find ourselves doing things at the end of this year that are going to absolutely blow us away. I'm telling you, I feel that prophetically. And so I just want to encourage you guys, stay in this zone right here. Don't taper off. Don't let distractions, don't let the things that are going on all around us stop us from stepping into the sweet spot that God has for you, your family, your business, whatever your hand touches. Okay, so the sweet spot. Now to finish this, we're going to kind of do uh, uh, kind of like a, a wrap up to the series, but it's not necessarily a part of the series because as I was praying about this, I actually wanted to launch a new series today, which we'll do next week. But today, as I was praying and I was really seeking the Lord about what I was supposed to share today, I really felt like I needed to teach on some concepts about Gideon's life in the Old Testament. And I really believe there's some concepts about his life that actually marry the whole idea of the sweet spot, stepping into our sweet spot. Gideon stepped into his sweet spot. And I just believe there's some life lessons we can learn as we study him today that I believe you'll be able to take for the rest of this year. All right, so join me in prayer. Come on, I really want you to release your faith with me. Let's believe God big today that we'll get catapulted to the next level of stepping into the things that God has for us. All right, Father, we just thank you so much for, the, for your loving kindness and, and your care for us. Lord, we're so grateful for the ability to be able to do this, the privilege to be able to share the real gospel of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just thank you Holy Spirit, speak through me. Let the hearer receive all that they need to hear. Lord, let us become the individuals and, and, and be empowered to step in to the sweet spot. Step into the new things. Have the courage to step in to the things that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know... That's what I think when I think about Gideon. I think about a man full of courage, 
a man full of faith, full of destiny, full of purpose, a man who was able to stare down the enemy. A lot of you guys know the story. The story of Gideon where he and 300 choice men stood and faced 120,000 warriors, enemy people. And the Bible tells us that God routed them. God removed, God destroyed basically all 120,000 forces with 300 men. Amazing. This is the original 300. Come on, somebody. All right. And so I want you to get a hold of this. What did it take for those guys to sit there that day? What did it take for those guys to stand there and, and face the enemy? Just for one second, just for one second, think of the courage that they had. Think of the stamina. Think of, think of the, the confidence. Think of the laying it all on the line that those guys did. Think about it. I think about Dave, you know, goes to the church and he lays it on the line every day in, in his occupation. But think about what it's like to have been there that day to lay it all on the line. And this, it's staggering to me. But how he got there is even more impressive. All right. I want to read to you Judges chapter six. Let's read this. I want you to see the setting of how, how uh, amazing of a time this was and the devastation, the loss and why God raised up Gideon to do this, all right? Look what it says here in Judges chapter 6. It says, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites, this is the enemy, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and didn't spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. Imagine seeing an enemy. And you look and you see them coming and it just looks like a big swarm. Think of the fear that would put in your heart. Think of the, 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 the intimidation that must have been, right? It was impossible to count them and their cannibals. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. This went on for seven years. Seven years. They would prepare the harvest, and this, this locust army would come, steal it, destroy it, pillage the land, and leave. Imagine what it would be like to have been alive at that time. And so here they are at the end of the seven-year period, and the Israelites are crying out and are saying, Lord, help us. And as a result of that cry, the Lord appears to Gideon. Now remember, Gideon... He's the leader of the 300 men, the original 300. He's the leader that gets out there and routes all 120,000. I mean, every time I say that, it's mind-boggling. How could 300 men route 120,000? Just think about this. I have been to the University of Michigan uh, a football stadium when it was packed out with 110,000 people. And just imagine 300 people sitting in the middle of that auditorium and the auditorium being packed and saying these 300 guys are going to take on everybody else in this auditorium just this it's incredible i want you to get the picture here the courage and the valor this man had but that's not how he started out and i think you're going to be blessed by the process that he went through and i think in it we're going to find some life lessons that we're going to be able to take home for ourselves 
and really attack 2021 and step into the sweet spot that God has for us. All right, so let's look at this here. Let's go back to Judges chapter 6, and let's read here verse 11. Verse 11, it says this, And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abrazite, where his son Gideon, this is the character that we're talking about here, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Why is he threshing wheat in a wine press? You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You thresh wheat out in the open. Well, the reason why he was doing it in a wine press is because they were afraid of this invading army that came year after year. So because of that, this is what they did. They had to do the harvest in secret. They had to do the harvest in caves and in wine presses. They were actually doing their harvest in a cowardly way because of this great army that would come year after year and destroy their harvest and really impoverish the nation, all right? So he's in this wine press. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love this. He's a coward. He's in this wine press, afraid. And yet the angel shows up and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Doesn't look like a mighty warrior to me. Doesn't look like a hero to me. Doesn't look like somebody that would stand and lead the original 300 to route 120,000. Come on, somebody. Doesn't look like that to me. But yet God saw something different. And I'm telling you, God always sees something different than when, what we see for ourselves. Just the way it is. The, Gideon may have seen himself as a coward, but this angel shows up and calls him a mighty warrior. Look what happens here, verse 13. He's, he's riveted by this experience. This angel shows up, calls him this mighty warrior, interrupts his harvest in secret, all right? Calls him a warrior. Look what Gideon says. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why is Israel so impoverished? Why is it year after year destruction comes to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Where, where is the God that delivered Moses? Where is the God that brought the Egyptians out of, or the Israelites out of Egypt? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. Gideon is fighting with the angel. And he's saying, you can't be calling me a warrior. Look at me. I'm in, I'm in secret over here. And in fact, God, wherever you come from, has abandoned us. Imagine fighting with God like that. This is incredible. Yeah, I wonder how many times you and I fight with the scriptures. How many times you and I fight with with the Lord when he's asking us to do something. Come on, somebody, all right? So the Lord turns to him and says, go in your strength, the strength that you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So the Lord not only tells him that he's a mighty warrior, now the Lord also tells him, I'm sending you. Go in your strength, all right? Now watch what Gideon does. I love this. Look at verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord. I mean, he's just like, I'm sorry, Lord. 
I mean, none of this makes sense to me, okay? Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? I'm a coward here. I'm working in this wine press secretly. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. I don't have the money. I don't have the strength. I don't have the connections. How can I do this? He's looking at himself. He's judging the situation by his circumstance. He's judging the situation by what he can bring to the table. And all along, God is saying, I have something different for you. I'm going to do something through you that you don't even yet understand. And verse 16 goes on to say, the Lord said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. A third charge this angel has to make to Gideon. Three times. I don't know. Look, man, if an angel would appear to me and give me an instruction, I think the first time I might be a little nervous, a little scared, but definitely on the second time I'd be like, okay, this is an angel. I better do what he says. But three times this angel has to get through to Gideon. Three times this angel has to charge Gideon. This tells me the state of Gideon's mind, his emotional condition. He was so beat up. He was so downcast so defeat-minded that he couldn't see what God was trying to say to him. The gift horse was right in front of him. He couldn't see it. He was so weak in his mind, so frail in his mind, so unequipped in his mind. And yet God saw something completely different. And I wonder if God sees you completely different than you see yourself. I wonder if the same thing is true for us. I wonder if we can get this and maybe learn a lesson here. Maybe we might be able to step into that sweet spot a little easier. Because here's what I want you to see. First of all, the angel shows up and he says, Gideon, I got a purpose for you. I got an assignment for you. That's what this really was. I have an assignment for you. I'm calling you to fix this problem. All right, what an amazing assignment. Think about it. And here's what I believe. I believe for those of you listening and those of you watching, God has an assignment for you. I believe God has an assignment for all of us. And I believe God's assignment is going to become really clear to us in 2021. I really believe. And I believe it involves the sweet spot. And so the same way that angel appeared to Gideon, I believe God speaking to us. There's an assignment for us to step into. And here's the second thing Gideon had to, had to understand. Gideon had to begin seeing himself the way God saw him instead of him seeing himself the way he saw himself. And this is so critical right now. If you really want to step into your sweet spot, you have to understand that God loves you. You have to understand that God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. He's equipped you. He's gifted you uniquely just the way you are, okay? And you have to begin to see that that's how God sees you. God doesn't see any failure in your life. God doesn't see those mistakes. God doesn't see those bad choices, those mistakes, those failures, those bad choices. They will hold us back, but God is not seeing them. Well, God says, I'm a redeemer. I can redeem your bad choices. I can redeem your mistakes. I can help you fix all these things. I can put you from here to here exponentially. That's what God says. See, the enemy wants you to think on your mistakes. 
The enemy wants you to think, oh, you're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. That's the voice of the devil. But God, just like he visited Gideon, is visiting us today, I believe. He's saying, hey, you are a mighty warrior. Oh, but I don't have any money. You are a mighty warrior. I'm sick in my body. You are a mighty warrior. Everybody's fighting in my family. You are a mighty warrior. Come on, are you getting this? You are a mighty warrior for God. All right, so then the second thing he tells Gideon, go in the strength that you have. This is so significant, you guys. You got to get this. Go in the strength that you have means go in the giftings that you already have. Go in the personality that you already have. Go in the equipment that you already have. He doesn't want us to go attack an assignment or a purpose trying to be somebody else in somebody else's strength and somebody else's gifting and somebody else's anointing. He wants you to go in the way that you've been created. You have been so created in such a unique way by God. I'm telling you, it's time to embrace it. It's, try, it's time to embrace the creativity that you have and not resist it. It's time to embrace maybe the business ability you have, but you've been resisting it. It's time to embrace maybe the call, the ministry that you have, but you've been fighting it. You've been resisting it. Right? It's time to embrace it because you think you got to be a certain way. you got to sing a certain way. you got to act a certain way. But all along, just like God told Gideon, go in the strength that you have. Go in the personality that you have and the giftings and the strength that you have. Man, if you'll embrace this right now, I'm telling you, this is major. Embrace this right here. And then lastly, lastly, he tells him, I'm going to be with you. You already know this, you guys. You already know the scripture says in those moments when we feel alone and we feel challenged, you already know the scripture says that he would never leave us or forsake us. Can, can I just let you in on a little nugget right here? On those times when I feel alone and I feel like I'm by myself in situation and I've got big decisions to make and I feel like I, I have really nobody to bounce my thoughts off of but only the Lord, in those times, I remind myself, well, you said that you would never leave me or forsake me. But I feel alone. But you still said you never leave me or forsake me. I've learned this, you guys, that in those times when I feel really alone and, the, and I feel like that, that I, I don't know what that next step is, I, feel, I, 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 told my, I tell myself this, and I hope you get this little nugget, that that's the time when God is really with you the most. You know why? It takes faith. It takes faith to say, Lord, I believe that you're with me even though I feel alone. And the Bible tells me faith pleases God. See, when we, a lot of times we go by our feelings. Oh, I just feel the presence of God and I love to feel the presence of God. But you can't go by that all the time, especially in the valley of decision when you just feel like I don't know what to do. You have to understand the same promise God made to Gideon is the same promise he's making to us. He will be with us. In fact, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Now, we could stop right there. Those are amazing lessons we can learn. But if I stop right there, that's not going to help us to take the next step. Because our heart gets full of hope. Our heart gets full of, 
uh, inspiration when we hear this story. Oh my gosh, God has an assignment for me and I have to see myself the way God sees me and, and He created me to be me and, and He's never going to leave me or forsake me. And that's all great. But now comes the next step. And we're going to read something here that's absolutely amazing that I really believe is going to help us take the next step into our sweet spot. Because look what happens here. That same night, so Gideon has this, this encounter with the Lord. He hears everything we just talked about, right? Now remember, he's, he's a coward in the wine press. And he's having this conversation with the Lord, all right? He leaves there, all right? And at night, that same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, was demon God, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it, which is a pole that was next to the, to the altar. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. What does this all mean? So now is when the rubber hits the road. Come on, I believe I'm challenging you right here at the beginning of this year with this message. Here is where the rubber hits the road. The Lord tells Gideon, hey, I called you a mighty warrior, but the first thing you have to do is you've got to go get a goat from your dad's herd, an expensive one. Then you need to tear down the Asherah pole, the demon god worship pole, First of all, what happened was, the, the, I want you to see the condition of where Israel was had sunk to such a low. The despair, the poverty had sunk to such a condition that they started worshiping demon gods. They started looking for answers in the wrong places because they didn't understand why God wasn't answering them. We did the same thing. We do the same thing when we're in a tough place. We look for answers everywhere else instead of just buckling down and being patient with the Word of God. And I'm telling you, this is what happened here. So the whole nation started worshiping a demon God. And now the Lord tells Gideon, I want you to go take that goat, your dad's goat, expensive goat, all right? And I want you to tear down the Asherah pole, break it up, and then I want you to take that goat and, and, and burn that goat on top of that wood as a sacrifice to God. It's amazing. Why is that so important? Because I believe that that sacrifice was a sacrifice covering the sin of the nation. Okay? It's a type and shadow of what Jesus did for us. Jesus was the last sacrifice. He hung on a wooden cross this sacrifice was burned on the wood of this Asherah pole. Come on, are you guys getting this? This is a beautiful type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ and His great redemptive work for us. But it was like this had to happen first before the next step could happen. All right? I never saw this in the Word before. I never saw that the challenge the Lord gave Gideon after He inspired him with that visitation was now you got to go do this. I want you to see how Gideon does this. Look at this. All right. So Gideon, in verse 27, he takes 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. So he obeys. This is really cool. Watch this part. I love this. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than the daytime. 
He did it because he was afraid. He did it at night because of all of the chaos that it would have created. And he did it during the day. And I love this. We're talking about Gideon, the warrior, who faced 120,000, okay, with 300. And he went at night because he was afraid of his family. What an amazing story. Sometimes we just have to confront those things that we're afraid of. And as we confront those things that we're afraid of, that just may be the next step to the thing that we're supposed to step into, okay? So I want you to see what happens here. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and a second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. All right, so now everybody knows this has got Gideon's hands all over it. After all the forensic uh, accounting and everything else, this is Gideon's deal, right? Verse 30, the people of town demanded of Joash, this is Gideon's dad now, bring out your son. He must die for this. Think about this. They want to kill an Israelite for this demon god. This is amazing. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now, Joash, now Gideon's dad, Joash, he, he exercises some real wisdom here. Watch this. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you going to stand up for Baal? Are you going to do Baal's work? Is basically what they're saying. Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. In other words, watch this. If Baal really is God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down the altar. Here's what he's saying. If Baal really is God, let Baal kill my son. Let Baal kill the person that destroyed this. By morning, Baal will exercise justice. Is basically what he's saying. Don't kill my son Gideon. If Baal really is God, Baal's going to do it. Sounds like wisdom to me. Now you're saying, why is this story inserted here? And what is, why is this part of the story so important? Because remember, we're talking about how Gideon was a coward in the wine press, but he stepped into the sweet spot to face the 120,000, all right? Because right here is where the rubber hits the road. This is where Gideon's assignment really began. Now here's what I mean by this. I just, just, just hear me out on this one, all right? Because right here is when the men of Israel saw that Gideon didn't die. Baal didn't kill Gideon. And all of a sudden, a stirring started to happen in the men of Israel. And it was a stirring of reformation, or you might say a stirring of revival. Because these men of Israel, they didn't like what was going on with the, the destruction of the Midianites, but they also still wanted the God of their ancestors to come through for them. And when they saw that Gideon hadn't, didn't die, and they saw that Gideon was still alive, a stirring 
started to take place in the men of Israel. And then you could follow the rest of the story and you could see how from this point forward, the men started to rally behind Gideon. And it ultimately led up to that end, that climactic story where Gideon and 300 men faced 120,000 people. This is amazing. We all want to get to the end of the story. But there was a process here. And I just believe this was the process that Gideon had to go through to step into his sweet spot. And I just believe God is challenging us with this. Let me just tell you this. This is so amazing. Man, I didn't know this when I first started to study this. But from the time that angel appeared to Gideon in the wine press to the time that Gideon faced, the original 300 faced and routed 120,000, was eight months. Eight months. Gideon went through a transformation in eight months from a coward to Israel's hero. Think about it. What can God do for us in eight months? What can God do for us in 2021 if we'll take the principles I'm sharing with you today and we start stepping into this? What if by the end of this year, God has some amazing things for you to step into. I believe that's the reason why this message is prophetic. And he put this message on my heart to kind of close up this series. So here's the next step, or here's the next thing. And my challenge to you, what is the next step for you? What is the thing God's saying to you? He's still speaking still talking to us. I believe he's been challenging every single one of us, especially in this crazy environment that we're in right now. You know, our, our, our conservative values are being challenged on every front right now. I, I never thought I would live in a day like today. A lot of you have never thought that you would live in a day like today where your conservative voice is being silenced for things that we hold so dear. It's intimidating. It's fearful. But I just wonder if God is looking at you and he's saying, you're a warrior in this season. You have an assignment in this season. You have a sweet spot to step into in this season. Don't let the voices deter you. Don't let all the cultural war we find ourselves in stop you. But step into the assignment that God has for you. Maybe that step is taking a step to really begin trusting God with your finances. You know, I don't want to talk about this a lot, but I just believe God is challenging some of you to trust God with your finances. Maybe it's time to start tithing and to stop messing around with it. Maybe it's time to start trusting God with your children. That you, maybe for some of you, your children are parenting you instead of you parenting your children. I, mean, I get that, trust me. We have our own challenges, believe me. What if God is challenging you with ministry? What, what if he's saying, I, I called you to step into ministry and, and you've been resisting it? 
I think it's time to really do what Gideon did and to really accept the assignment that God has for us. Not only as a church, and I, I just feel so strong. I feel like the Holy Spirit is here so strong right now. Not just for revolution, but for the world. What if you're hearing this message and there's a call that's going out for you to step into your sweet spot, to go just the way you're wired, just the way you're gifted, just the way you're talented, just the way God has made you. What if you finally accept that and begin to step into what God has for you? I believe that's the next step. I really do. And it's going to be different for all of us. But this is going to be an amazing year. It really is. I just want to encourage you. Don't let these words just go by you. Let this assignment, let this stir you up like so many of us feel stirred up right now. I, I feel so stirred up that I'm distracted. I feel so stirred up like we're going to step into something beautiful this year that I, I'm really distracted by. it. I find myself uh, struggling sometimes to study, struggling sometimes to, to strategize. I'm so distracted by this. I, I can't explain it. I've never experienced this before. I just believe God is up to something. And I want to be in the middle of it. Hey, how about this prayer? Huh? I prayed this prayer. Lord, I want to be in the middle of what you're doing. If what I'm doing is not the middle, then I want to get out of it. I want to jump in the middle of what you're doing. I believe a lot of you have prayed that same prayer or are praying the same prayer. And you're saying, well, what do I do now? Well, what do I do now? Just obey him. Do what's in your heart to do. Trust him. Realize you're not alone. Realize he said you never leave you or forsake you. For those of you who are watching and you say, man, I want to know. I want to step into this. If you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know this wonderful God that we've been talking about, then your first step is to receive him, to put your faith in him. And I want to pray for you right now. If you're watching, you've never put your faith in Christ, or, or if you think you put your faith in Christ, but you didn't know if you did or you didn't, I want to pray with you. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you leave planet Earth, that you will be with Jesus forever in heaven. That's the promise that we have as believers. Maybe that's your test. Maybe that's your step. Maybe you've heard about Jesus religiously like I did growing up for years, but I never knew I could invite him into my heart, and I never knew that I could have a personal relationship with him. I want to pray with you right now if that's you. And we can pray right now. You can just bow your head right where you're at and just pray a simple prayer that goes just like this. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want to take this next step. I want to put my trust in you. My life is a wreck. Would you heal it? Would you help me step into the sweet spot that you have for me. I receive you as my Savior right now in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hopefully this message was encouraging to you. And if it was, tell a friend. And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to take the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give and about the ministry, visit us at therevolutionchurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.